This is Jesse Hensley. And this is Josh Turner. Welcome to Turn Down for What. All righty, welcome back to Turn Down for What. Um, today we have a very uh, unique episode. We're going to kind of uh, take a little bit different of a structure today. Um, we're going to start with our guest on the line. We have Jacob from Huntsville, Alabama. Are you there? I am. Awesome. Awesome. So we were uh, kind of dialoguing around some of the stuff that we wanted to talk about today with the news um, and then some of the stuff that uh, Jacob, you know, has with expertise with uh, the vehicle that he drives, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, and it seemed like a lot of it kind of meshed together. So we decided today that we would uh, rope our guest in from the start and we we're going to kind of go through the news um, and some of the pieces and kind of uh, dialogue around that together. Yep. So I'm an old creepy guy that in the parking lot, when you see a lucid air, he puts his business card and begs people to try to call him. And that's kind of how we got this guest here. I was uh, <laughs> charging in Bristol, which is near where we live. And uh, um, I saw a lucid air uh, charging. And that was the first time that I could actually get my hands on one. I didn't mess with it, but I drooled profusely all over the window. So that was me. Sorry about that. And uh, obviously, we want to have somebody on the show that has that owns a lucid and uh it's took a little while because of timing but uh that's basically what we got today and uh so what type of lucid do you have what is your package so i have the business red uh green touring trail okay and then the one and then the one you saw in bristol was a Alona, and that was a green touring performance that we had for about uh, two months gotcha so that was not your primary vehicle no, that, that was the, the loaner. Gotcha. So, uh, well, yeah. And you had that while the repairs were being done? Uh, yes. There was an issue with my battery pack and an uh, issue with, with the towing incident. So they, they had to fix my car for about two months. And it took a while to get parts and everything else. Yeah. Seems like on some of the niche uh, EVs, uh, there's some part delays on certain aspects. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I would have drove that loner like I stole it. Especially <laughs> <laughs> performance. I would have been. I would. I'd have, you'd have seen it at every racetrack. I would have tried it out at every drag strip. So where are the tires uh, all the way? Down? Yeah, it'd be bald. So. <laughs> All right, so Jesse, start us off with news. All right, so right now in Munich, you have the car show going on, big big car show, and the the big key here now is when you compare cost of vehicles today here in America and in Europe versus that of uh, the Chinese auto bakers, it's apparent that we are vastly overpriced when it comes to affordability for people to get into the EV market. This is aside from the fact that the infrastructure is just now getting built out for these vehicles. But when you look at uh, some of the numbers that's coming out of that car show, it's even more apparent. So BYD, which is Build Your Dreams. We talked about that car company in the past. Um, that is Berkshire Hathaway has uh, interest in that one as well, uh, along with Xping and then Leap Motor Technology, which is bringing out five new models uh, that will be for overseas markets in this upcoming year or two. Um, and market is, uh, Europe is targeted for that market. But when you look at the numbers right now, the average Chinese built EV is around 32,000 euros or about $35,000. And that's compared to 56,000 euros um, for the European model. So you see a, a, a vast difference in the price. Uh, between the two of them and uh, including this year at that auto show you had 41 percent of the 
people there uh, that were the exhibitors, they were based in China. So now one, you know, 40% of your entire Munich car show, which is your global big national car show is Chinese market. So I think that's one thing to kind of take from this. And in our, you know, with, with Josh and I, in our venture into the EV charging and then the, the EV infrastructure, we are looking at large batteries and uh, for storage. And we can kind of contest also that the battery systems we found uh, that are the most affordable come from China and it's a huge margin between them. We're looking 40 to 50% cheaper than our other options, which is difficult, but it also shows that their capacity to make batteries may be the reason that you're looking at you know, $20,000 difference between the two models. And what's that going to do for the national, you know, uh, uh, push or the international push? It, it seems to me like you won't be able to afford anything other than these models. And I don't even know, does BYD in the United States? I've never looked at that. No. Okay. As of right now, they're, they're only um, external. Okay. And I think, you know, they're probably going to be the first to come into the market out of these four or five that's showing. Uh, but what are we going to do with that? How can we get the price down other than make those batteries here? Tesla's trying that. And even their Model 3 that was around this price range has went up to, what, 45000 now for the base model? Yeah. Uh, so and they've dropped their higher end trims down. Um, yeah. Pretty significantly, um, but I mean their range right now is basically forty to eighty is yeah. pretty much all their vehicles, which is close to the thirty-two thousand euro. I mean that's thirty-five thousand dollars. So Model Three is close to that. So I'd say that Tesla's the best financially viable to hit that mark. But is it because the battery cost? Is that you know? And I, I think that uh, this auto show is kind of showing the switch that. China is looking more of the EV sector, and are they going to be able to take over that in Europe? Because United States manufacturers have a more difficult time going to Europe if the Chinese version is twenty or thirty thousand dollars less than what we could produce. Yeah, and that's something I was talking with Jacob about um, in our in our lead up conversation. Was you know all of the vehicles with range right now in the United States cost pretty much over a hundred thousand dollars. Um, Jacob, you were saying that there was one trim of the lucid, correct? That is around 80 that had like 450 mile range. Is that right? Correct. There's a, and don't quote me because they, they've been running a deal, but I, I believe the, the real world drive, which is supposed to be announced next month or produce whatever they're doing is 77,000. And then the all wheel drive. I think it's sitting with, with the deals at 84 and that gets you about 425 miles of range, give or take. Yeah. And I was reading an article um, that one of the government relations people at uh, Lucid had shared saying that Lucid is looking to produce uh, in the next year or two a competitor to the Tesla down in the $50,000, $60,000 price range. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a viable thing. I mean, we have talked about this multiple times, you know, on the podcast is that, you know, we need vehicles that have quicker charging and longer range, but usually the exchange that you're seeing with that, with the vehicles that we've discussed, the GMC Hummer, the, mm -hmm. the, some of the trucks that they're dropping, the Escalade IQ is larger battery packs. And what comes with larger battery packs is more expense. Um, and so, I mean, we're seeing that these vehicles are just, not affordable for the average driver there the government is making a big push for 
nationwide adoption of EVs and they're putting all this money into infrastructure and developing and encouraging adoption. But the reality is, is that the average car consumer can't buy a hundred thousand dollar vehicle. And, you know, in order to get, you know, you can go buy a $30,000, you know, Nissan, uh, leaf or something like that, that, you know, will have a 200 mile range and, you know, maybe be able to get that as at an affordable price. But, the reality is, is getting anything that's actually, you know, good for long distance and otherwise, you know, you're going to end up dealing with a pricing con condition. And I, I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago when we were discussing the Escalade, um, you know, the it's a beautiful vehicle and all the bells and whistles and it's a niche. And I mean, I love it. It's great. But, you know, it's one of those things that not everybody can buy a hundred fifty thousand dollar SUV. Well, even the horror stories right now, of people who buy a used EV and then have a battery module that goes out and then they have to have a twenty thousand uh, dollar battery put in it well that's you know i hate that luck for them hopefully that gets better but that also means that the used cars that's coming into the market are not going to be able to be as affordable that way because if you barely afford a vehicle and you have to pay twenty thousand dollars for a an ev that's used with eighty thousand miles and then it's out of warranty you lose a module, now you got another $20,000 to put into it or 18000 It makes it very difficult to be able to say that vehicle is, I mean, for most people, that means that car has been totaled, you know. So uh, maybe there's insurance companies that can offer an insurance like the repair insurances that would allow EVs to be under that. Um, I think Ford has different modules to where it's not the whole battery pack. They can go in and change the module, but that's still expensive. So hopefully that technology allows for uh, quicker and cheaper changes of that. Uh, but it also means that what is the future of that vehicle? Is it a throwaway vehicle at 100,000 miles? Most vehicles are throwaway now, you know, 300,000 miles, you throw them away anyway. Uh, so are the cars today that are EV making it to 300? And, you know, you hear most of the people who have had problems. I don't know. I've seen several Teslas that's 500,000, 600,000. So uh, with minor you know, repairs during their lifespan. So it could also mean the person that's running it, but that has nothing to do with the, you know, Toyota Camry that gets 600,000 miles. Yeah. If you do the maintenance on it on the same transmission, you know, everybody knows it's a bulletproof vehicle. Toyota is great for that. You know, there's other European car companies that you don't want to talk about because they, you know, a five-year-old car and you could find it for $9,000 because you're going to have electrical problems from the day you get it and you have uh, 20 grand you have to spend on it, which is why it's not that affordable. So I think that's the other part of it is when you start getting into the market of the used vehicles, what is it going to do to everybody who has to buy that secondary market? Now they can't even afford that because they have to buy a huge battery or a, a big cost on top of it. So I, I think there's definitely some growing pains there uh, that we have to get out of. I think that, um, you know, we discussed this a couple of weeks ago, and I think I mentioned it again last week, but we're at the beginning of technology, you know, the evolution of that technology. And we have to see rapid improvement in that. Um, and like we discussed multiple times with the, the TVs, unless we see a world in which those become, you know, the battery packs and things become more um, highly manufactured and lower cost, that's the only way that we're going to be able to drive down the overall cost of the vehicles and make it more affordable in general. Yep. Um, Jacob, share us, share us your thoughts. I mean, there's a lot of efforts, uh, particularly on the Tesla, of right to repair. And I've read articles over the years of shops 
replacing exactly that uh, smaller modules that cost a fraction of the price. It's simply, if it's a big battery pack, it's usually only a couple batteries or modules that goes bad that, that ruins it. So, uh, and, and that's a concern, I think, for, for many companies is they're putting it together. Uh, but, but when the battery lasts, I mean, if, you know, if they're raised for 300,000 miles, I've heard, I think is what Lucy quotes, mm-hmm. you know, you can potentially flip it, right? If there's enough reliability and someone buys an $80,000 80,000-mile 80, used car, you know, suddenly they, uh, they can go a whole lot farther if the reliance is there for a whole lot cheaper without, say, major engine repairs or maintenance for the equivalent gas car. You know, it's like around that what, 120, 150, 150,000-mile uh, mark. Typically, when you see it in a lot of gas cars. Yeah, and and I've seen that too. I've, I've had friends with uh, with diesel, um, and they've got seventy, eighty thousand miles using it the normal way with no um, upgrades or anything like that, and uh, they've had to turn around and buy a brand new engine for their truck. And uh, you know, it's another twenty thousand dollars right there that you didn't expect, and you expected it to go, you know, hundred and eighty, hundred to two hundred thousand miles. But uh, you know, I think that that's definitely the direction that kind of you know needs to be considered and, and you got less moving parts in, in an ev so maybe that uh, as we get some of these areas and you have some time on them it's going to allow people to future proof the areas that are weak within the vehicles so hopefully that's an area that we're going into now with so many car companies building evs yeah and i i think that we're looking at you know when it comes to the reliability of the longevity um, if, if, you know, a lot of people will gawk at the fact that a battery pack costs $25,000 and obviously that is high. Um, and I think that in the next 10 years, we'll see that price drop, but you know, for Ford, you know, I, I just, for, uh, for the sake of it, I, I, my truck, I hit a deer. Um, I took it to the shop. They had the parts list that they could order from. And I asked them, what is the cost of an extended range battery pack replacement if it was damaged. And I think their number was something like 27,000. Um, but in a world, let's just say, and I, I was curious, so I just looked it up, but in a world that you're dealing with, you know, a, a, let's say a gas powered car goes 300,000 miles and, you know, needs basically a total replacement in order to keep driving. Um, you know, I, I was looking at the cost of certain vehicles, the amount of maintenance required on average for belts, plugs, engine maintenance, oil, you know, how much does an average vehicle take to maintain over the first 150,000 miles? I would say you're looking a good five grand. So they said for the the cost for the first 150,000 miles, the most expensive ones being like a Ford Mustang. Okay. Yeah. Basic. 150,000 miles is $27,000 in maintenance. Okay. Um, you know, some of the least expensive, like a Toyota Prius, is down to like seven thousand. Um, that's the cheapest maintenance one that they have out there per this um, review so, on yourmechanic.com. Yeah. But you know, on average, it was saying that like it was going over some of the make and models, and they were basically saying that like Hondas and Lexus and Hyundai, on average, for the cost of the first hundred fifty thousand for the least maintenance required would be about fifteen thousand. But if you go down to Cadillac. 
BMW, Dodge, Chrysler, they're all 23 to 25,000 at 150,000 miles. Yeah, I, I think this is an opportunity for somebody to have that maintenance uh, contract to where you pay, you know, $5 a month for X amount of years and or, or $10 a month, whatever it is. And that's what would go into an insurance program for your particular battery. Then they can take that battery and then make it you know, refurb it, basically take it out, have it refurb for you, and then do a battery swap for you on that. I think there's a way there to make that, and everybody's still the same. But, uh, you know, uh, the big thing now is is kind of getting into the, the key part of today, which is talking about the Lucid. But I have two other items. Uh, we're going to talk about Ford because that's my favorite, obviously, because I'm a big Ford guy. Uh, but they did announce that they have a dark uh, a truck that is going dark. So they're going to take their F-150 Lightning, premium or that that would be their platinum series would be the premium so it's the platinum black edition so it's a full blacked out version with a smoked headlight and everything for the f-150 it looks pretty sharp yeah it looks good um and i believe it even has a matte finish i have to confirm yeah, that so it looked like it did it looks mean um and then they also announced a couple days ago that they are the term f-200 has come out and it's Everybody is speculating that that is a more powerful version of the Lightning, or it might be the F-250 version for hauling, and it has a much greater capacity. They've, they've not released details of it yet. Have they confirmed it's actually an electric vehicle, or is that speculation? I think it's speculation, but I believe it. I believe that it is in the electric range. It's. it's um, I doubt it's a hybrid or anything like that. So, so they have the F-150 and the 250, but they just basically did something with the F-200. Yeah, So and, and when you go into history of Ford, it's always been a 150 except for the early part of like the 1950s you had the f100 and the f200s i think um i know the f100s because i have a friend of mine has a wonderful black one um but uh so yeah that's uh interesting to keep and keep with that to find out what that f200 is and find out why i want it instead of what i have because <laughs> i already want one um now we get to talk about the lucid what it's like to own that vehicle um, have you ever had another EV other than this one? No, this was our first one, uh, but I've driven a couple other EVs as, you know, a, a separate thing for maybe running cars out. Uh, but, but this is our first. And what do you think? I, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic vehicle. Uh, it's, you know, we, we bought one and it was, I don't know, maybe the first, uh, within the first batch of two or 3,000. Oh, wow. Okay. Works. So we expected issues. Uh, the issues haven't been that bad. And when they do occur, Lucid has taken care of us. So aside from those, uh, I mean, the, the cars are fantastic. It's, it's comfortable, as you would expect. Uh, the, the storage has been the big surprise, uh, particularly as we have two kids. Right. So, <laughs> so without buying a minivan or, or an SUV, it's hard to get the same amount of storage in, in anything else. That's what I hate about it, though. It has the bucket seats in the back. I was hoping they could do a bench because I have three kids, so that kind of ruins it for me. <laughs> so they, they, they have a bench in the back. Oh, they do got a bench. Uh, okay, I thought they had the buckets. And, and many owners have put uh, three car seats. <laughs> yeah, because like you can tell it's wider than most cars. Yeah, do, it seems like it has a good width to it. Uh, what is the? Do you have good frunk storage in the Lucid? I yes, yeah, I don't know the official numbers, but I mean, you know, I think we never run out of space. It, it's hard to run out of space. 
in the car for, for storage. Uh, particularly when the kids are small, we can utilize the the footwells in the back. Mm, yeah, uh, but that is massive. I mean, the storage in the car is massive, regardless of whether it's the front, the trunk, uh, the rear seat, the front room. You know, there, there's just so much space. In the car. Yeah, which is awesome. I mean, I um my my wife was driving um you know uh, she has to drive a minivan, but we have three kids. But when you have multiple kids, it's very difficult um, to deal with storage, with uh, all the activities that kids have to do. But, you know, we've discussed that before. You know, our, our EVs, you know, have frunks. And that that in and of itself is a gigantic difference maker when it comes to storage, uh, just because you can compartmentalize. I mean, I have a truck with a big storage in the back, but you can haul in the back and you can put groceries in the front. And, I mean, there's just a lot of – it's a good multi-purpose use. Um, and you can, you know, basically utilize – almost double the storage space in some of these, you know, situations yeah, with, so we have 14.1 feet. He has 10 point, he has 10 cubic feet. So huge, huge frunk on that thing. Yeah. I mean, you, we've seen some of the vehicles like the Cadillac Lyric, I think, yep. um, didn't have a frunk at all, which was massively disappointing to me. I mean, it's a huge opportunity. Um, and they put technology and stuff to fill in that, that void. But even with like the cyber truck, we've seen some of the images now where, um, they're actually showing it. It's not really that much storage, which I mean, that's just a funky shape vehicle. Well, you do have the back that gets covered with that big V so you could shove stuff in the back. I'm assuming that's what they're looking at is how you really don't need it. If you, if I give you all of that square footage in this trunk that's covered and lockable but there's but, some, there's some of them that you've seen even with like teslas and stuff they kind of keep a narrow little hole in the center that yeah. it's still storage but having 10 cubic feet 14 cubic feet i mean that makes a huge difference with your drive experience and you know the practicality of being able to haul stuff around speed so you had the performance model what is the difference between the two? Obviously, it's much quicker than our trucks and, and vehicles I've been in. Um, what is the difference for you? And do you drive it like that often? Or is that something that you have if you need it? But, or you, <laughs> or do you burn the tires off of what you have? I, I, I drive my car. I think I'm more aggressive than, than most. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it would be a, a serious waste of money if I did not. But the, the difference between the performance and the Grand Touring is noticeable. Uh, oh, particularly okay. when you drive back to back. Uh, and, and the suspension is too different for the, the performance model. So the 0 to 60, I think, is in 2.6 seconds in the performance. And then uh, three, three seconds flat in the Grand Touring. But uh, more like a, like a feel or, or subjective feel. It, my sprint mode, which utilizes the full horsepower, I think 890 horsepower in the, the Grand Tour model, was like the smooth and swift mode, which only utilizes, I think they say those modes use only two-thirds of the horsepower. So in the performance model, uh, like I said smooth and swift were like my sprint mode. Uh, so that was interesting, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. I mean, and then obviously if you step up to the... Um the uh, Sapphire, then you're going from 2.8 to 1.8 on mm-hmm. the, the performance, which, I mean, your face has to be almost melting off on that one when it comes to uh, the launch. I mean, I've taken so many people around in, in my truck that goes 3.9, and they're talking about feeling a blood rush. I mean, could you imagine it? One? A 1.8, uh, I mean, that's one of the, for me, I mean, the Lucid Air Sapphire is a, is a, 
a target. I would love to have one or at least be able to drive one around for a little while. Um, but you know, the, I mean, obviously it comes with a massive price tag, but I mean, even with your vehicle going, uh, same as three seconds, well, three seconds flat. I mean, that's still 25% better than what we have. Yeah. For about the same money too. Yeah. I mean, and it sounds like the room is there. I mean, obviously we got a bed in ours, so that's a little different, but, uh, when you add a trunk, we don't have a lockable trunk and a trunk on on the front plus the interiors probably got more square footage on the interior of his vehicle than and in ours. my opinion i mean out of all of the regular sedan cars out there i think the lucid is one of the, sharp, the sharpest looking evs on the road we saw one driving to nashville um might have been him <laughs> it could have been uh when we were driving to nashville we saw a, a lucid on the road and i you know i slowed down sped up passed it looked front and back i mean it's just a really sharp looking it, it actually might have been because we think it had a dealer tag or a weird tag on it and it was that darker purple or had like a a, a purplish color to it the marine color yeah yeah, so but yeah, I mean the the lucid in general, just with the way they did their lighting package and the shape of it, I think that they've done a very good job at, at that luxury look. Um, even at the lower trim models, I think it's a a very sharp looking vehicle. Now, fit and finish and everything on the interior. Obviously, you have one of the very early models, kind of like Josh and I. We have within the uh, we were under thirty five hundred, I believe, for our both of our trucks were the first up to 3,500 that were produced similar to your car. Um, we've had a few fit and finish things we've had to kind of get worked on to get fixed, nothing major. Um, so on yours though, is it very similar since it's a new car company and they're into it or, uh, or have not done that in the past? Or do you feel like that's something they've really addressed and the engineering was put into place first when they build it? So the interior has been spot on. So we've only had two issues. Right. So the, the hood was misaligned ever so slightly on the front, and it broke a piece of trim and chipped some paint on the side, which they all fixed un, under warranty. Uh, so that was the first one on the exterior. But everything else looks good. Right. It, it all closes nicely. There's no loud wind noise coming through. Somewhat owners have reported, but we're, we're a minority. Right. Uh, and then I think interior wise, the only thing that I've had. It's the slightest rattle in my driver's door, which I think is a broken clip, which they'll, they'll fix under warranty as well. I just haven't had time to, to do it. So, I mean, two issues for, you know, actually a brand new car manufacturing. That's company. nothing. Yeah. That's nothing. Yesterday, I took my truck through a car wash and my, uh, headboard started dripping water because there's a leak in the sunroof so i have to take my uh, truck over to uh ford i think it's just the drain tube or something that got jarred I, i'm not sure but i got to take it to get it looked at but i mean you're all bound to have little issues here and there and that's what that you know initial warranty kind of helps you cover but i mean it seems like overall lucid's done a, I've, I've, i haven't heard much complaints in regards to lucid in that space and yeah, hopefully hopefully because it's an upper echelon price vehicle that would be the case now with go ahead i was just gonna say a, a big part of it was they, they they started producing right in the middle of the, the supply chain issues so ah. the parts that they had to source were maybe not exactly what they wanted and i, I think according to their latest their investor speech for the last quarter is that they burned through most of that inventory and we'll be done with it in, in the next quarter or two. So, you know, their manufacturing costs are, are going to lower. Yeah. And, and then the, the parts are better. 
which is what those of us on the forum have noticed, is that all the new owners, their, their cars have been perfect and, and without an issue, I've been 97% of the time. So the parts, you know, door handles weren't always working, or, or, or whatever it may be, they, they've completely upgraded or, or replaced those parts in their manufacturing process already. Good. Which is nice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, my truck and Josh's truck both are around one uh, 2.1 uh, kilowatts per mile, I think is how it calculates it. And my lifetime average is 2.3. Um, yeah, mine's like 2.1 to 2. Because you're a maniac. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, w what type of efficiency are you seeing with your driving experience? Let's see. What, well, so I had the 21-inch uh, tires for the longest time. And we were in the middle of the winter when we did most of our driving. So that was about 3.1 miles per kilowatt hour. Wow. Going 80 plus. I, I won't say how high. We, we cruise <laughs> on the interstate, but, but it's about Close there. course. Uh, and, uh, and then the performance model, I think there's a lot more around town driving. So I, I dropped it all the way to 2.6 as the, the lifetime average. Because I, I drove it like I stole it. Yeah. Still, you know, so that's, that's, a, that's high. That's 3 1 is high. All right. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, I think a lot of the smaller vehicles like Tesla and stuff would get yeah, that, that there, efficiency. Too. But I mean, that's part of, I mean, in, what is the range of your vehicle that you have, the Grand Touring? So 469 miles for the 21 inch wheels, 516 for the 19 inch wheels. And, and you could achieve. I would say reasonably, if you followed interstate speed limits, anywhere between eighty-five to ninety percent of that, uh, all things considered. So, so when you took your road trip and you were coming up through Bristol, I mean, obviously you were in the other uh, the performance edition, but how far were you getting on a on if you started at a hundred percent? How far would you get on that first charge? Would it be four hundred, four twenty, or well, well, the way. I was driving it. We were probably getting close to 300. That's somewhere. If I drove it normally, you know, we could have probably detailed 380 plus. Uh, but, but for reference, we went from Huntsville to Kodak, Tennessee, just to top off. And then I think it was Bristol was our last stop. Yeah. And then we drove all the way up to Snowshoe on one charge. Oh, okay. I know exactly the route you took. Okay. Yeah. Which is mountains. So you had elevation gain. So we lost 80 miles of range from elevation gain. And then we still rolled in with, I'd say, 70 plus miles of range. Hmm. And then going down the mountain, of course, you gain. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's very interesting. I mean, we've seen with our trucks, I mean, it's average, you know, it advertises 320 is the, is the truck, you know, extended range battery range, but I'm seeing on the highway, we'll get 270. 260, 270, you know, and that's going five to seven over on average. If it's Jesse, then he gets like 200. He's a maniac. No, I, um, I don't think I've got that low on mine. I've, I've been around 250. But I mean, we have a hundred and we have 130 usable kilowatts of energy and we're getting two miles a kilowatt 
pretty much on the highway it's two to 2.1 so i mean easy math there you're getting 260 and when you look at the amount of room that the lucid has other than the length of the bed which you can hook a trailer up to his vehicle and then pull that if you needed that for the four or five times then your range drops yeah but for the four or five times (laughs) you might need to haul something that long but from a standpoint of just materials you know it's got plenty of room now one thing i did find out uh because i was kind of curious about it so the highest uh, EV right now is a 2001 or 2021 Model 3 is the highest efficiency of any EV, and it gets um, an average of 4.17 miles per kilowatt hours, which is pretty impressive yeah. on that. But again, that's a, a very base model. That's not a, a performance, and that's not a luxury, so you don't have the weight of that extra. The less tech you put in it yeah, and the probably. less features, and you know, obviously, you know, the lighter the weight, then obviously you're going to get better efficiency out of it. And so. it says a lot of the other averages for them is between 3.3 and 4.1. So, uh, I mean, I, that one fits on the lower end of that, but that's still so much bit further than what. And on my is. average daily driving around town with my truck, I mean, I'm getting three, three. I've never been into threes. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I commute to work and back every day. Um, and my office is, about 15 miles away okay from my i house. guess that way you could so yeah. on the way there 15 miles there i get about 2.3 to 2.5 and on the way back every single time four to 4.1 so i mean you average that together on the commute there and back in that 30 mile you know there and back commute i'm getting probably about 3.2 but obviously on the highway that i'm seeing two which is kind of where my lifetime average ends up at 2.3 so this car is supposed to get 4.2 miles per kilowatt hour uh, with the 19-inch wheels. And so that would be higher than the Model 3. And that might be real-world numbers. But yeah, I think that's what this is. But, I mean, 500-mile range on any vehicle, I mean, that's, that's... That's stupid. Yeah, that's... I mean, that's... That, that there is... I don't think that there's any other vehicle in the market that's currently going north of 500 except for Lucid. Um, that's widely distributed unless I'm, I'm mistaken but all the teslas and everything are in the low 400s but i mean that's the one thing about the plaid you know or about the uh the lucid in general is just that you know they've done a very good job at offering all the amenities i mean it comes with a price obviously but offering all the amenities um and then you know still having more range than any other competitive vehicle yeah, I mean, when you look at even the uh, the base price and the EPA versions of all the uh, all the um, Lucids, you only have one of them that is, or you have you have a few that is in the three hundred range, three eighties, uh, but most of them are over five hundred, and I don't see anything for the Lucid Air Sapphire uh, on here. So they've not told us what it will do, but uh, they they released an official announcement. <laughs> Uh, press release at, at the, the free they do wherever they had they one announcement for that the Sapphire is going to have 1,234 horsepower so that's <laughs> a little bit of a, a marketing gimmick <laughs> but uh, uh, and it's supposed to have 436 miles of, of range oh wow that's a lot for, for that much power of course if you're if you're driving like you or I would it probably wouldn't be that much range but uh uh I would I would tend to use a thousand horsepower if I had it. Yeah, uh, the man. only thing better than a thousand horsepower is two thousand horsepower. Any so. vehicle, car, truck that can get five hundred mile range and then charge fast, I think, is going to be something that is targeted. 
And, you know, kind of going back into the pricing conversation, I think you're going to see a gigantic um, increase in appeal to the EV space when, one, the infrastructure comes in um, and it's, you know, more readily available than it is currently. But two, when you start to see vehicles that are affordable, you know, let's say, you know, let's say, let's just put them under the range that qualifies for the federal tax credit of, you know, so under 80,000, you're getting all these, you know, more vehicle models that can go 500 miles and charge at 250 kilowatt, you know, delivered range 300. Um, then all of a sudden you have a big use case for a vehicle that um, the average person can use. They could stop for 15 minutes, have enough charge to keep going. Um, and I think that that's the next, you know, big step is we have to get, you know, battery tech to a, a point that the price will be affected because, you know, the, like, like we said at the beginning, I think the Lucid, might be one of the only ones that has that type of range that is relatively affordable. Um, but, you know, there's no other $50,000 EV that goes more than 300 miles. Yeah, I think that's the big key is how can you get it in the 30s, the 50s, like the Model 3 originally was supposed to be before the cost kind of hit them. Because um, I know people that even got a Model 3 at that price range. They got the, as soon as it was available, they got it and they and they were able to buy it at that price. So they got a very good a deal in what they had but now there isn't anybody that way and i don't see anybody in the future in the next couple of years that's even looking to produce one i know ford doesn't have anything in that i like to see the ford festiva hitting that because you can kind of think that's what the festiva was originally designed for but even at that you got a small festiva what if you did do this to it now you're still looking at thirty five thousand dollars for a very small compact car that might be able to pack 250 300 mile range at the best in its batteries so um yeah you still run into that problem of how much storage of power can you get and then the energy it takes to move it versus petrol gas powered vehicles and the calculations still are very difficult until technology changes i believe no. There is a Hyundai Ionic 6. Oh, yeah. Forgot five. about that one. Yeah, we talked to somebody a few weeks ago about that one. Forgot about that one. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's how much was that one? Thir uh, 35? Uh, it starts at 42. I looked it up okay. while, while we, were, we were talking. And that gives you, I think, the 270 miles of range. And then, but if you go up for, I think it's only another five grand or so you get the 360 mile range version and yeah. I test drove that car. It's, it's a very nice car for, for the price point. And if, if let's just say if I was in a different financial position and I couldn't have afforded a lucid, that, that would have probably been, been, been a pick. Yeah. Uh, now I don't have a, a front, but, but, um, driving, handling performance, it's got a little bit of pep and, and it's got enough range yeah. Yeah. And then by the time you take your seventy five hundred dollar um, credit off of that, you're going to be down in the what thirty nine hundred and fifty for the upper model or thirty four thousand for the the lower model. So you know all that car for under forty thousand plus tax and everything wouldn't be that bad. Yeah. I mean so. new vehicles. I mean you're you're going to expect to pay thirty five plus. And I yep. mean, an EV that's going to have the lifetime gas savings. And like we discussed towards the beginning was, you know, the the overall expense and maintenance savings. Yep. Um, you know, that's that's something that I, I don't I don't see a problem with there being 40 to 60,000 kind of being like the window that you're seeing the the EVs in. Um, but that's something that, you know, the battery range, you know, I, I think 
there's a use case in urban areas to have the lower mileage range um, just for a lot of the regional the regional mobility. But you know, when it comes to vehicles that people intend to drive or rural rural areas, yeah, you know, I mean, we drive a lot. Yeah, <laughs> so. we we have to drive a lot of miles. But I mean, you know. I don't like that I only can get 320 miles of range. And it was more than a lot of the other vehicles. And, you know, it was um, decent a for a truck uh, in the EV space. But I 100%, and I've, I've told this Which over and over the again. the only truck was yeah. in the EV space. But really, <laughs> as of right now, the highest that you're going to see is the $100,000 Silverado. I, I think Silverados are on the road. They'll be coming out. I don't think and they're they're 400, 420. Uh, I think... Uh, yeah, their 400 is their range, but I don't see them. I don't think they're out yet. And, and the I don't Sierra think is going to be 450. I don't remember. I think it's also 400. Yeah. Because I have that one. But, th- but those well. are 200 kilowatt battery packs. Um, yeah. So charging is going to take longer. Or and, 220 on some yeah. of them. I think the, the Hummer was 220 or 240. I yeah. can't remember. So, so I mean, that's, that, that's something where I, I think that we need to see, you know, a lucid air type, you know, setup where you're having that that high level of efficiency obviously when you get to the bigger vehicles like trucks and things you're going to have to have a larger battery and uh if they can come out with a crossover using the technology that they currently have and then have a you know that fifty thousand dollar price range i think that's also what uh um rivian is looking at too that smaller version that they've announced so because we are we are downing the you know the expense of the ev in general but i mean for me as you know, having doing real estate, you know, as as uh, as a career, I was spending, you know, especially when gas prices were up at four fifty, I was spending, you know, five hundred dollars a month on gas, and right now my electric bill's up, you know, basically seventy five bucks a month. So I'm net saving. Let's just say easy math, four hundred dollars a month. But you know that means over the last twelve months of owning that vehicle, I've saved five grand. Well, if I own this vehicle for five years, I've saved twenty five thousand dollars in gas costs, um, not including the maintenance. Which, if we're looking at the maintenance and it's another twenty five grand, I've saved almost the cost of the vehicle in gas and maintenance. And so, replacing the limited infrastructure, which is just batteries, um, to increase my longevity with that vehicle, um, you know, I, I don't think that it's that far off. But we need longer range with higher efficiency, which I think comes with battery tech evolution. So it's called the Rivian R2. That's our smaller SUV that's supposed to be out in 2026. Do they have a range on that? It doesn't have a range, oh. no. Not that but, I've seen. I'm sure gravity, it's gonna it. Yeah. And, and the Lucid Gravity might be a reasonable option. Now, it's not a truck, but it's on the way you classify a seven-seater. It's not quite a minivan, but not quite a, any more of a SUV in terms of space. That might be an interesting option for folks uh, who are looking at things like the R1S. Yeah. But for the prices up there, right? It, it's going to be a $90,000, $100,000 right base start. It's what most of us are getting, but we'll see in two months. Yeah, and I think that the... I think that the gravity is a uh, is going to be a unique one. The The curiosity will be well, where will the gravity land on, on price? But... Right. How much was it? Because I remember seeing it. it. It it looked good. My guess is you're probably going to see a hundred thousand on that. Oh, every bit of it. Yeah, it looks good. But yeah, seven seater. You know, I mean, uh, but at the same time, that's what the Telluride we have is. It's a seven seater. Yeah. So you know, but you um, can get that for fifty decked out. Yeah, fifty five. I think was ours. So yeah. um, 
and, and it's decked completely out. I mean, it was ready to go versus this. It's probably well going to be over a hundred thousand. Looks good though. I like the look of it. Yeah. But. Well, um, Jacob, what if you had anything would be your next aspirational vehicle? Uh, would it be another Lucid, or do you have another one that you have your eyes set on? I, I got my eyes set on Sapphire. <laughs> <laughs> But my wife says I, I love a house. <laughs> <laughs> it's an investment, honey. Tell her it's an investment, yeah. honey. I have to buy it. You know, it's on sale. So look at all the money I'm saving you. Maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll see Lucid respond to uh, Tesla's uh, price drops across the board. Maybe they'll come I think down. They did come down on every. They uh, Lucid recently had a pretty good price drop on. But I, I don't think the Lucid uh, Sapphire is below two fifty still. <laughs> no, I can. No, that's not yeah. yeah, that's, that's not I mean, that's just a, a niche, uh, a niche uh, luxury car that uh, people aren't going to uh, buy because it's two thirty instead of two fifty. <laughs> But yeah, I mean that's a uh, sapphire. I'm pulling it up. But yeah, I mean the the sapphire is. Definitely. Yeah, it's a good looking car. Yeah, I like it. And for the speed, yeah, it's still 250. But it looks like the Air Pure is now starting at 82.4. The Air Touring starts at 95. The Grand Touring starts at 125, and the Sapphire is 249 flat. That has everything on it. So, um, so yeah, I mean I'm curious to see kind of where lucid goes and where where how lucid targets their future um like i said i had seen um somebody that works at lucid had uh, made a comment or had shared something uh, talking about i just pulled it up it so aaron electric yeah. yeah so i mean they, they were targeting basically a fifty thousand dollar ev kind of right at the the model three model y territory um and that was you know a, a shared um, post from a lucid representative. And so, I mean, I think that we're going to see some more affordable lucid options, but for what they are, I mean, I, I think that it's a very impressive car company. And, so. and imagine the, the price drop, right? If you took out the Napa weather or any kind of weather, a cloth and harder plastic, like a Hyundai, you know, it, it may very well be reasonable that they could drop the price from even the $80,000 for the pure, to, you know, maybe 60. I don't know how much interiors cost. Yeah. Stuff, and I mean, the question uh, is, I mean, with them, with manufacturing, if they can become more efficient now, like you, like you had said, now that they're able to kind of control the manufacturing a little bit more than, you know, when they launched, um, maybe that will help them kind of control pricing more that, you know, now that we're seeing a, a downtick on some of the inflation of, of some of those, you know, importable goods. But, you know, I think that if you look at vehicles that are, you know, competition, like we were just discussed with the Telluride, you can get Napa leather, heads up display, you can get all the bells and whistles for features and still be under 60000 for a decked out gas vehicle. And obviously, I think that the electric is going to cost more. But, you know, can, can we find a world in which whether that's through battery cost reduction or through um, dealer, um, they, they just take, they figure out a way to make it more efficient in the production of it. Yeah. That's um, what Ford's looking at for theirs. And, and obviously Tesla is doing a lot of work for on their side as well. So I think Ford's kind of, I'm not going to say copy because they all work together from what we understand. Uh, but I think a lot of this large scale part, single molding and single, um, unit, 
production is definitely a way to go on on these platforms and these surfboards, I guess, of what you would call it for. And if they can make it more efficient, then maybe that's a world in which we can start to see the price drop. I mean, Tesla has been working on the efficiencies of their systems, and we're seeing, I mean, I had seen some reviews. I mean, the price drops that Tesla's had on some of their higher-end models, at the beginning of this year, they were charging 110000 and now they're charging eighty. So somebody who bought their their Tesla product in January paid over a hundred grand for their vehicle, and less than nine months later, they're buying the same vehicle for eighty thousand. Yeah, and, I th- and I a lot of people. I think that's more just the production numbers ramping up, and now you can charge less. They but, probably could have uh, charged but, everybody that hundred. But imagine but. if other car manufacturers could have that type of price drop in their in their vehicle oh, yeah, lineup. Absolutely. I mean, a hundred thousand for the top trim down to eighty thousand. Is that all, for Model S? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, but I mean, it, it all of a sudden became a, a tremendous amount more affordable yeah. um, to buy the higher end trims. Because an upper end trim costing be, 80 grand makes sense. It might be that they were competing with the Lucid now that it was out too, you know. So, but now Lucid, now Lucid has the ball in their court because their lowest model costs more than yeah, so <laughs> other than the Plaid, it costs more way. than their highest model. Yeah, I love the Plaid too. I like to drive one of those. But uh, anyway, so closing remarks, Josh, anything that you want to add? I think that we, you know, we, pricing is something that needs to be discussed. You know, if we're going to look at global uh, and nationwide adoption of EVs and, you know, encourage that adoption more, we have to make EV more affordable to the average user. Um, that comes through battery tech. That comes through, you know, manufacturing efficiency, which there's a lot of incentives coming out for manufacturing efficiency. I think Literally two days ago, there was another $15 billion towards car manufacturing that came out to improve their systems. But if we can see a world in which those things improve, costs go down, and then we can have a, a well-priced vehicle that lands between 40 and 65 to 70, then it's a world in which, as this infrastructure comes out, we'll see EV adoption you know, ramp up on a larger scale. Worst case, they spend all that money and it doesn't help anything. So. <laughs> Jacob, give us your final thoughts. Um, I mean, I don't have much other than, you know, when people look at electric cars, we've talked about maintenance a little bit, but redoing the idea of maybe buying a car every five years, you know, the the real cost savings come after you drive the car 100,000 plus miles, right? Yeah. And so that's definitely something to to consider uh, for people looking into the electric space you're never going to get your money back out of it or break even unless you're willing to drive the car longer at least where the prices are now and that's probably a whole different conversation but that's that's my my closing thought and i think that that is also the the comes down to the insurance part you know i'm warranted right now up to seventy five thousand miles so obviously i don't have any concerns up to seventy five thousand. but if i could add a warranty to say for five grand that is going to take that from seventy five thousand, say to one hundred and fifty thousand. i would probably spend the five grand uh, uh to do that because like you said that's what you know five car payments and that five car payments means at the end of it you have that um uh, support or, or that, uh, trust that you don't have to pay 20 or $30,000 for a battery or whatever it is. So, um, I, it might just come into a better system of guaranteeing that can be paid for. And, um, I, I would take mine all the way as far as I could go if, if that was the case. So 
until I traded him for something else. Just as a side note, I just looked it up. Tesla Plaid, brand new, cost one thirty-five ninety. Wow, okay. that's how much they've dropped. Ninety thousand. Anyways. Okay. Alrighty. Well, that's been another episode of Turn Down for What? Thank you so much, Jacob, for tuning in today and sharing your thoughts. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we appreciate it. Thank you so much and tune in next week. Um, once again, if you are watching us on YouTube, you can subscribe, like the video. Um, we will have this every week on YouTube uh, to watch, um, but then we're on all streaming platforms. Um, probably going to be on X soon. We need to figure out how to put it on X. Yeah. So, and um, we also have a website, turn down for what, what, W A T T podcast.com. Check right. us out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.